That's our show for this week, everybody. It's Chapo. And sitting in with us is special guest, comedian, and friend of the show, Mike Christine. Thanks Mike. for having me. Hello. Hey. How's it going? We uh, are having Mike on. Because he brings us food. Yeah. Actually, yeah. first and foremost. We're to talk about olive oil. <laughs> <laughs> first and foremost, Mike uh, has just on his you know first appearance taken the uh, crown for best treats bought by a guest. Entering Thank the pantheon you. of people like uh, Joe Mandy, Patton Oswalt. Patton Oswalt. Well, they brought us. What? They yeah. brought us uh, starches, sugary starches. But you, um, Mike, brought us meatballs, and the bread was optional. You could still be paleo if you wanted to. It was very. Savory. Oh well, there's some breadcrumbs in the in the meat mixture. Well, All right, he's knocked say. down to number three. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, no exaggeration, those were among the best meatballs I think yeah, I've ever had. Shit. My grandma would say, Michael, you have a lower IQ than everybody, so <laughs> bring meatballs wherever you go, and people will like you. <laughs> it works, though. Yeah. It's a tried and true technique. I was telling Mike, because you make big batches of sauce. And, I make big batches yeah. of sauce and sell it out of my trunk. It's yeah. my little side hustle. So he gave me a jar... And I ate half of it on pasta, but then once I got really high and just ate the rest of it with a spoon like gazpacho, it was so good. <laughs> no, I could see that. I, I ended up spooning out the whole bottom of that bowl after I ate the meatballs. I've been I, turning I, into I my post-workout shake. <laughs> <laughs> Put it in your coffee. Go for it. But it's highly, it's highly recommended good sauce. Um, not too many onions. Not too much onions. Yeah, no, too little onions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, uh, speaking of um, too many onions in the sauce, we're having a we're having Mike on this episode to talk about a very specific topic, uh, a topic we've you know danced around on occasion, but has uh, I think warrants further investigation. And uh, that topic is Pizzagate. <laughs> no, we've we've delved fully into no, that. No, yeah, we've this is meatball game. It's pizza related. Yeah, pizza adjacent because we're talking about um, organized crime and specifically. The Mafia. La Cosa Nostra. La Cosa Nostra. This, this thing of ours. <laughs> particularly uh, the Italian Mafia, because probably more than any other organized crime in American popular culture, it's the Italian Mafia has, has dominated uh, the sort of our popular imagination. Or maybe it's just an ugly stereotype <laughs> that's used to uh, disparage my people. <laughs> Good job, well, we're, we're going to be doing yeah. that, too. Yeah. <laughs> They're jealous of us. <laughs> they make up these horrible things. So, sort of kick things off. I I wanted to to dive into a a, a book that I have. This book of ours. <laughs> this is actually uh, a book Brendan uh, gave to me for my birthday this year. <laughs> Don't speak his name in my presence. <laughs> Dead to us. That's one ride I wish I was along for. <laughs> Yeah, he's in witness protection now. <laughs> but uh, back when uh, he was not unnameable, uh, Brendan gave me a book called uh, The Way of the Wise Guy uh, by the real-life Donnie Brasco, a.k.a. Special Agent Joseph D. Pistone. He's a friggin' rat. <laughs> yeah, what a real American hero that guy is. Huh? <laughs> wow, it's so heroic what? to lie about who you are and then yeah. gain people's trust and then report and then betray to your cops. friends. Yeah. <laughs> You're really yeah. cool. You can tell no because I w was watching some interviews of Joe Piston. You can tell nobody really likes him. <laughs> no. no one, no friends. 
Well, yeah, he was all alone in the FBI. The FBI is mostly like Mormons with buzz cuts, and that's why they only infiltrate white supremacist groups. Right. And he was the one guy with a vowel at the end of his name. And none of those Mormons hung out with him. Yeah. They didn't do any of the same activities. He used to deliver pizza to the FBI. (laughs) (laughs) What a job. Sir, we need you for a job. We're sick of infiltrating the American Nazi Party. It's 75% us now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, none of the special agents could curse. Or yeah, drink. yeah, that's so order. That sort of limits uh, the, their potential to you know penetrate the uh, the world of uh, organized crime or to med- penetrate anything yeah. for that matter. Um, so uh, the book, the way the wise guy, I uh, I keep it on my nightstand. I uh, I dip into it every night before I go to bed, just like to get a little pearls of wisdom. And uh, this is sort of his follow up book to the one that was eventually adapted into the feature film with uh, Johnny Depp and Al Pacino. Uh, continuing to cash in on his uh, his betrayal of his friends, but I heard I- he's going to be doing Sonic commercials soon. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually going to be uh, Subway's new spokesperson. Yeah. He's yeah, finally yeah, yeah. he's finally going to show his face <laughs> after all these years and be well, like, he would, he would go on TV and he would wear like dark sunglasses. That it was a disguise or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, what I like about this book is that it is just a collection of like each chapter is sort of like. Chinese menu length. Some of them are only just like one paragraph, and they're just short little pearls of wisdom about you know the the sort of gems about how to be a wise guy that he uh, he gleaned from his years on the job. And I just want to kick things off by uh, reading from uh, the page long chapter just called "Wise Guy Nicknames." And uh, I just want to read here from uh, Donnie Brasco. Uh, he's just about how wise guys had the best names, and he goes. Uh, there were the guys I hung with. Sonny Black, so named because he dyed his hair jet black. And Lefty Two Guns, who, well, you figure it out. There was he had Bobby. Two dicks. <laughs> <laughs> he got Sonny Black murdered, by the way. They murdered him. Yeah, they yeah, chopped, yeah. They chopped yeah. his hands off. And they chopped his hands off because, as he explains in the book, he specifically allowed uh, Donnie to shake hands with people like Santo Traficante and other very high ranking mafia bosses. So mm-hmm. they killed Sonny Black and then cut his hands off as a, a subtle sort of metaphor. That is so, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> the Sonny Italians have a very light touch. <laughs> Sonny Black was kind of a brain genius in his own right. Like, he loved reading, like, Machiavelli and Sun Tzu. He was one of the first of those guys. Played by Michael Madsen in the film. Yeah, famous Actually, Italian, Michael yeah. Madsen. <laughs> so then he goes on from uh, Sonny Black and Lusty Two Guns. Uh, then there was Bobby Badheart. <laughs> a wise guy with a pacemaker. <laughs> oh, that rule. Fr- Frankie the Nose. like a Care Bear, my dude. <laughs> Frankie the Nose, a fellow with a huge honker. Jimmy Legs, who had long ones. Mike the Hat. He wore a hat. Uh, Charlie Chains, Nick the Stick. Sonny Small S- Dick Tony. <laughs> Sonny Smash. Oh, he, he was smashing the smash, on the red. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. He was a fucking pimp. Uh, smash. He probably really writes like these smash guys brothers. in prison. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing what they're up to. Willie Smokes, Tommy Scar, Joey Burns, Tommy Twitch. Tony the Sheik. These people are children. Yeah. They just yeah. point at the most obvious physical attributes and say them out loud. Uh, Frank the Bug. Ronnie the Pig. <laughs> Willie the Rat. Hair Lip Tony. <laughs> Joey Halfball. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki Cigars. Tony Ducks. Mickey Spatz. Dago Mike and Dago Louie. Wait a minute. Yeah. Just all be like Dago every yeah. time. You're going to do that. That's, That's when you've totally cheating. given up. Yeah. That's, you're like, hey, yeah. okay, your nose is pretty normal looking. Your legs also pretty normal looking. You don't have any uh, 
any ailments that we could talk about, uh, we're just going to have to go with Dago. What if Dago is like the rank of private in the mafia? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, next up there is, would you believe it, Fat Tony. They have just yeah. fans oh. of The Simpsons, yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah. and they're now becoming self Body positive Tony. <laughs> uh, Fat Tony, Tony and Skinny Pete. <laughs> Lead Pipe Joe and Tony the Hatchet. I guess used named for their uh, specific uh, weapon of choice. No, one of them just really loved that Gary Paulson book. <laughs> <laughs> he was actually. Then there was Nikki, my side of the mountain. <laughs> uh, Island of the Blue Dolphins, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> then there was uh, Little Bozo, Joey Gags, Joey the Clown, and Charlie Bananas. <laughs> <laughs> these you are all these kill people at, at, at like their children's birthday parties. Is yeah. that their strategy? These are all tertiary Donkey Kong family members. <laughs> this is like the uh, the chapters in Moby Dick where he just goes on for pages at a time about the different kinds of knots on a, a whaling ship. Yeah, it's the farm reform chapters of Anna Karenina. <laughs> <laughs> uh, almost done here. Uh, Louis Haha, Phil Lucky, Vinny Oil, Tony Roach. Then there was uh, Nikki Cigars, Nikki Glasses, and Little Nikki. Those are all the same guy. Uh, Banano- Wait a minute, Adam Sandler? Yeah, no, that was, <laughs> no, that was Banano Underboss. Uh- My family got arrested by the FBI! <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes, uh, me, sometimes they called me Donnie the Jeweler, because big surprise, my cover was that I was a jewel thief. An okay nickname, but not great. Beats Donnie dimples on his ass, I guess. So he's just uh, bragging there. Well, yeah, he's got dimples on his ass. Yeah. So, yeah, with uh, colorful nicknames like that, how could the mafia not become, you know, capture our imagination? How could they not succeed in assassinating a president (laughs) and our hearts? But uh, I don't know. Where do you think sort of uh, America's fascination with the Italian mafia begins or where did the Italian mafia actually begin in America? Like where was the. What was like the first big crime family in America? I think New Orleans it started. That was like um, in the 1800s. Some Italian immigrants had a... Was it big- I wish I researched this before I got It's been a while since I read The Idiot's Guide to the Mafia. But, uh, I think Black I read hand. that in high school. Yeah. yeah, but I think New Orleans was the first time like they brought the traditions over. From, over from Sicily? From Sicily. Well, the one other thing that uh, he talks about in this book is about how... The mafia is organized like along uh, sort of military ranks, mm-hmm. right? Where everyone gives orders. Soldado, capo. Yeah, exactly. Those, yeah. But it's basically a, a giant pyramid where just where money just goes up, and everybody, like if you're just involved from an associate to someone who's actually made, everybody is paying money up, and that's like the number one thing they kill people for is not kicking money up. So like basically everybody just has to do their thing and all they have this you know myriad of hustles and scams that they run all the time but the important thing is that you just keep paying money up the ranks and then orders go down for you to kill people or do x y and z yeah and you have to do it yeah yeah and uh, so it's basically like it's like a very murderous version of amway yeah exactly yeah yeah it it is a pyramid scheme but it is more fun i mean you don't see as much of like any other type of crime in movies or tv you know so much as the italians we do it in like a fun way there's big <laughs> bowls of pasta <laughs> there's meatballs you know <laughs> i killed a guy on my way over here but <laughs> well, black, black hand was if i remember right it's a sicilian thing and their thing was mainly extortion but uh the Napole- the napoleons which i'm probably fucking up the, the people from naples they were often more into drugs, right? Like, they would be into the heroin trade more, right? Because there were, like, different mafias for different southern states. Like, 
in Naples they have the Camorra, which is like it seems more like a drug cartel than like uh, the Sicilian like family based structure. Mm-hmm. They don't. They didn't understand what it's like to have a family. Yeah, you don't, they don't want none of that garbage. It, Stay away from the garbage. Yeah, my uncle Enrico, who I mentioned earlier, who would curse at people if they put Parmesan in the pizza. He had a garden, and he hated squirrels. Would eat his garden. He hated squirrels. So one Thanksgiving, my dad, he's like, "Hey, uh, what, what, what do you, what do you do the squirrels in your garden?" And he goes into detail about this. He tells a story about how um he would like trap the squirrels and then put them in a garbage bag. And then hooked the bag up to the exhaust of his car, and he was <laughs> gas squirrels. Holy shit! Like, Holy and shit! <laughs> Jesus! And he's, like, and he's like laughing about it, just in broken English. You're like, oh, you know what I'll do now? I'll take a squirrel. And uh, my cousin is like a big anim- like West Coast like animal lover. She starts crying, but he doesn't pick up that she's crying, and he just keeps de- keeps going. <laughs> And then my dad was like, I felt bad that I brought it up because uh, he wouldn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> he loved to torture squirrels. <laughs> hey, come well, on, you need an outlet. Yeah. Is yeah, the thing. Well, I think that's one of the big reasons that the mafia is so captivating pop culturally is because you get to do cool crimes, but then you also get to pretend that you're adhering to some fucking code and that you're not just an asshole who like steals from people or something. Yeah, right. It is a good code, though. I mean, like, like one thing that'll get you killed is um, if somebody fucks your wife. Well, there, yeah, so, there, that's sex negative. I don't like that. What if you? It's kind of nice. What if you email them? <laughs> what if you email? Yeah. The, only, the only guy that that doesn't apply to is Polly Steve. Who's it's that? okay. That's that's, that's the thing. Oh, yeah. Polly Steve. Yeah. yeah. I thought you were saying Polly. No, Polly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess uh, I got a little like defensive with the Scaramucci stuff because I was seeing so many people just be like, "Oh yeah, why don't you go finish your marinara sauce and beat your wife, you <laughs> fucking Ginzo?" And it's like he's it not even like, Southern Italian. You no, know, that's just no, it. He's like leaning he's into it so much that she's basically begging for that. And frankly, he probably like takes that as a compliment because yeah, he's like Maybe some Northern right. Italian. He wants to be thought of in that way. Yeah, which is, yeah. It's like I'm hey. I, I come from a neighborhood where we do families. I come from a neighborhood where we are hedge fund. It's like a family, you know? It's like <laughs> yeah, he's a you. hedge fund guy. You're just a fucking rich creep, but like because, you know, you don't dye your hair black, you're not as much of like a, just a, a a lizard person as like Lloyd Blankfein or something. It's like, sorry, you are. I'm sorry my hot blood's getting the better of me. Uh, the, you mentioned the uh, the wise guy code that they uh, you can't sleep with someone's wife. Uh, in, in the chapter in this book called Why Wise Guys Will Kill You, uh, the top of the second paragraph, it just says, wise guys do not like rape. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, you know, in this age when so many of my heroes are going down. <laughs> Charlie, uh, <laughs> no, but like, you know, Anthony Gaspipe Casso, no one's accusing him. So. <laughs> He's on the shitty wise, shitty wise guys list. I like you, got you got something right. I like the idea of like, Someone getting killed for a very like minor like myth of a name, like you called Slim Thick Tony, wrong side of Thick Tony, or something. <laughs> well, Paul Castellano killed his like his uh, daughter's boyfriend or something because he made a joke. He called him Frank Purdue, <laughs> and he got offended. <laughs> oh and killed. Yeah, very insecure man. Well, yeah, didn't he? Wasn't he supposedly rumored to have had a, a penis implant? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 
That must have been fucking yeah. gnarly, a penis implant in the 70s. Oh, yeah. It's just like yeah. some bicycle tubing stuffed <laughs> in your dick. Yeah, no, that's a horror. It was, that's how they called him Frank Perdue. It was chicken cartilage from the Perdue factory. R.I.P. <laughs> 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 Paul. Uh, an example that uh, they give about, um, you know, like uh, breaking uh, wifely honor at the end of this chapter. He says... Uh, uh, this one wise guy's captain called him one time to give him a contract to kill this other man, an unconnected guy. Seems the man was in a poker game and lost all his money, but being the lousy degenerate gambler he was, he could not pull himself away from the table. Instead, he decided to gamble his wife, told the guys, if I lose, you can fuck my wife. <laughs> sure enough, the guy lost and then showed up at his home with the winner by his side, tells his wife, honey, I lost the cards, so now you have to fuck this guy. His dutiful wife did as she was asked or ordered, but the next day she told her brother, who was friends with the wise guy. The wise guy told his captain and the hit was ordered. The degenerate gambler answered the doorbell one day and got two to the head so it's sounds like the guy just like had a fetish and this was the only way to get it done he He was to lose yeah it was a means to an end yeah he wasn't really a gambler at all he was just he had a a cuckold fetish but he had to you know cover it with uh being a degenerate gambler that's why communication is the most important thing in a relationship (laughs) He was there, you know, like he was, you know, had a royal flush and he was just like, oh, I fold. (laughs) (laughs) Some of the stuff, too, some of the fascination with, you know, the Italian mob is that these are like pretty like culturally conservative men. And if you compare that to, say, just looking at cinema like Scarface or you look at like, um, I don't know, go to Brighton Beach and look at those tracksuited russians they're not what you would call culturally conservative people well there is a, a chapter in the book uh called uh wise guys are patriotic <laughs> indeed they are and uh you might think a group of people who devote their lives to breaking the law would not be particularly patriotic citizens but the fact is wise guys are very pro-america so which is not to say wise guys are steeped in american history or even all that up on its major holidays but they are emphatically patriotic types. You will always hear them talking about what a wonderful country this is. The reason is simple. Where else but in this great freedom-loving country could they get away with as much as they do? It sounds like he's got some guilt, like he wants to be accepted by these guys, or he feels bad about what he did. He does have... Yeah. I mean, you'd have to, right? A weird part of this book is when he talks about like the, the way wise guys sort of carry themselves and uh, all the ways they just sort of... Um, intimidate uh regular people by just constantly pressing their will upon them he's like it's pretty good actually if you were more confident in your life you'd get a lot more out of it yeah and he talks about like the way that you know it's expected that you have a uh a girlfriend or guma on the side and he's like you know they're pretty much like average guys but i'll tell you what the rate of divorce is much lower among (laughs) wise guys and their wives and it's just like every day of the week they treat their wives with respect but like you know on saturdays they just take the girlfriend out but if the book was called like the way of the FBI agent, it would be like, yeah, I went to the men's warehouse and I got a, <laughs> I got two suits for the price of one. Yeah, I screamed at my son for smoking K two, and now he's a SoundCloud rapper with dreads. <laughs> <laughs> I cry every day. <laughs> Took my wife to Panera Bread for <laughs> every month. Me, and- yeah, every month, me and my wife just eat soup in pure silence. This <laughs> <laughs> is really fun. <laughs> But yeah, I mean that gets the other thing, you know, uh, as uh, described early on in in Goodfellas, probably like the most popular uh, portrayal of the mob in, in, in movies, or probably my favorite, uh, is when Henry Hill says like the people who went to a job every day were like just fucking dead to us because we did whatever we want. 
and like I think that's part of the appeal is this idea that as uh, as Karen says, you know, they're blue collar guys, but they're their own boy. They get away with whatever the fuck they want. They just like you know lose money, get it right back. You know, they don't they're not they'll take the fucking subway. Uh, don't go yeah. to an office. Every they're day. providers. Yeah, provider. That is something that uh, Donnie Brasco says quite a lot. He says that they're actually good fathers and husbands for the most part because they provide for their families. Mm-hmm. Not so much the people, the children they orphan or you know wives <laughs> they widow, but right. But there's also a code. It's like you can't go after wives. You can't go after kids. You know, and there's a lot of other um, crime organizations that don't have that code. They'll kill everybody. So maybe I don't know. Maybe they've disrupted there. the organized crime the industry by uh, children 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> um, the guy in Goodfellas, who the truck driver, who says uh, two ends just stole my truck. <laughs> yeah. He's a stand-up comic. And a friend of mine worked with him. He said the guy's like a complete psychopath. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, there's a rumor that I improvised that line. <laughs> <laughs> People are saying it. <laughs> well, I guess that's the lesson is that if you want to succeed in either crime or being a content king, mm. you can't make your own rules. Right. The rules are for the little people. And squirrels. Right. Yeah. <laughs> in this yeah. life, you can either be a squirrel or a podcaster. <laughs> you make your choice. Next thing I want to do, uh, talk about real quick, uh, global capitals around the world. The capital, the capital game, the capital steps. The capital steps are moving in Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, apparently. I'm referring, of course, to uh, Donald Trump came out today, I think in one of his best public statements of all time. Or at least the he most- looked sharp. He looked on the ball. <laughs> yeah, he didn't all seem like he was slowly being poisoned. And finally, I asked the leaders of the region, political and religious, to join us in the noble quest for lasting peace. Thank you. God bless you. God bless Israel. God bless the Palestinians. And God bless the United States. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> there's, no, there's no way that you watch that video and you don't think that a fucking blow dart has shot him in the neck halfway oh, through. Oh, God, yeah. He's dragging. Yeah. He was slurring like a future mixtape, basically. Yes. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. When oh, he was Matt, you got that, that reference. <laughs> I, how, at this point, I played I know, future for Matt. I played Pr- future throwaway. So, yeah. Um... Yeah, Trump uh, gave sort of a very like sort of mushmouth uh, address. You know, he's following in, following up on a campaign promise to uh, finally uh, the United States will recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and move our embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Can somebody not Felix explain to me why uh, this matter is important? Why not me? I just want to see if anyone else can before you. I, because I mean, because it has more religious significance. I don't know. It's, I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to assume that this has to do with like that. He's like tacitly endorsing like uh, Israeli encroachment and occupation of Palestine because I don't know that he thought that far ahead. Oh no way he did. He did not, and that's why the entire Arab world is in uproar because. Uh, uh, East Jerusalem is considered it would be the capital of any hypothetical Palestinian state and this is basically ratifying yes the illegal seizure of large chunks of Jerusalem I mean, after yeah, 69 I mean, it's, it's horrifying and, and, and it's a distinction without a difference politically but also I don't know that he knew that when he did that nah, no, no absolutely he not he just repeats things that he sees in like 
Esau and like Teacot memes in 2013 that were like Barack Obama refused to move the embassy to Jerusalem because he was going to put his presidential mosque there after he was <laughs> done being president. He but got yeah, he, dry bones. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is, it is like it's a anyone the only people who ever like still believed in the two state solution to this point were like uh npr super donors and uh peter like, beinart yeah people who collect priuses like the worst of the worst liberal zionist i mean it was you are really into car brands these days yeah i'm uh kind of a gearhead <laughs> uh, ford is gonna ford, rebrand as a jalopnik right no yeah but it is the final i mean it seems like it, it's the final nail in the coffin of the two-state solution but the two-state was going to be fucking yeah. awful for the same reason the palestinian authority is awful which is that it's a fucking bullshit fake government that does the most of the big things that the Israeli government already wants in terms of repressing people and operating and it is an open air prison and is heavily corrupt and will take hundreds of millions of dollars for construction projects and charity from rich Gulf monarchs but not actually do anything that Palestinians politically want. I mean the only future for the Palestinians is a one state solution where they're fully enfranchised in, in a state but a that big would, old that would, secular state yeah that would make it not Israel like you know but, the rest you know. of the states that are yeah. supposed to be good how they're supposed to be yeah. I mean it but seems like the, the, it two, seems... the people who the people who genuinely wanted this the most and are happiest are evangelical. Yeah, that was going to say. It's yeah. like this is this is twofold, and like you know, it's, he's fulfilling a campaign promise and like and a the, prophecy and and the prophecy <laughs> and like the twofold. A, as you said, evangelical Christians need Jerusalem to be the eternal capital before holy land, judgment before, time, and then all those Jews that they love right now could burn in hell for eternity. Yeah, and then the other side of that is like right wing Jews. Love it because it's part of their like chintzy like ethnic mythology that like their people have always been in Jerusalem, always there. And by their people, they mean like Ashkenazi Jews from Poland right. or whatever. It's, it's people. It's people who get sunburned by fluorescent lights. They're <laughs> like, I'm genetically from here. Um, yeah, like yeah, they, you could, yeah, yeah. We've been we've been there for three thousand years, and this is no difference. I mean, yeah, it's like a you know like it just made up sort of nationalist mythology that it's the always been the eternal capital of Israel and Jews. That are yeah. currently it, living there. It's one step removed from the Richard Dawkins "We are all African" shirt. <laughs> yeah, two thousand years ago, Jerusalem was nothing but Bulgarian sex traffickers, just like Israel. Yeah, I mean, in the evangelical vi like vision of Jews, like Jews are kind of like Dragon Balls. They have to collect all the holy sites, and then they can summon Christ to fight uh, the big evil Piccolo dragon. to fight which Obama. Yeah. <laughs> My Muslim level is over 9,000. <laughs> this reference is too nerdy for me. <laughs> Dragon Ball Z is a very entry-level anime. If you haven't watched it, frankly, that reflects more. I'm a you. dilettante, yes. If you don't know about Dragon Ball Z, you don't know about black Twitter and black culture, Amber. So That's right. It's true. Better. It's true. And yeah, I guess like the last thing I want to talk about with uh, as far as Jerusalem is that it's supported by the leader of the Democratic Party, Chuck Schumer. Who what? This Record scratch. Was, yeah, so and then uh, should we move our show to uh, a, cap a new international capital now? Let's move the show to Belfast and declare it the eternal undivided capital of Ireland. You guys have the tracksuits already. Yeah. That's true. I'm going for a weirder cause. I think we should move to England, but say that England is still part of the Roman Empire. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Uh, next, just a, a follow-up on uh, our last show, um, considered a triumph by everyone, praised, universally praised, up and down for its righteous anger and you know, um, cathartic uh, community building 
uh, as well. I consider it um, a performance of Jewish excellence. As we said on the show, they did the tax bill, right? Which is this like huge trillion dollar uh, monster, you know, transfer of wealth going to blow a hole in the federal budget. And then, of course, right after that, we'll use it as an excuse to uh, cut Social Security, Medicaid, and the welfare state. Well, following up today, uh, Jeff Stein, writing the Washington Post, confirms that that is indeed exactly what Republicans are planning on doing. Uh, speaking to uh, Paul Ryan, among others. Hold on, let me put this up. I am glad that we have the money, though, to build a a basically a model of a giant electronic gun that could only be used to kill transformers, but doesn't even work. That that was a good use. Okay, this is uh, just, I'm reading from Jeff's article here. Uh, he's speaking with. Um, Representative Rod Blum of Iowa, who says, for us to achieve 3% GDP growth over the next 10 years from tax reform, we have to have welfare reform. We need people who are mentally and physically able to work to get into the workforce. In my district, a lot of employers can't find employees. Sometimes we need to force people to go to work. So I think that pretty much sums up uh, the mentality of both the tax Is bill- there like a word for that? Yeah, forced working. Forced I, I feel like there's a word for La- it. Labor that is coerced. I uh, character building. A, that's what you're looking yeah, for. It's like I when swear you, there's like a technical when term. you make somebody like go out and do labor for you for you without their for your benefit and, and they can't say no. Yeah, hey, they 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 will they, oh, come on. They will be paid for this labor they're being forced to do. Okay. Yeah, but I feel like you know the the payment. Yeah. Um, you know, is a thing that historically people have received in things like, you know, room and board. Right, yeah, exactly. Paid in room and board. Um, yeah. And I just, I feel like there's a word for that. Yeah. Uh, You'll have an Amazon house that you can <laughs> uh, and they, they, they debit you for having to pay for it. Uh, going on, it says, uh, other House Republicans similarly argued there would be no excuses for poor Americans to need welfare once economic growth took hold. <laughs> Jobs are coming back, I told you. Once we light this economy up, my brother... <sighs> There's going to be jobs for everybody, so there will be no excuses for anyone who can work to sit at home and not work. Who Rep- said that? Amanda? Representative Clay Higgins of Louisiana. Was he wearing a oh, Kangol hat when he, that's when the he fucking, said it? That's, yeah, that's, that's the fucking... That's that Cajun Holocaust asshole guy. who went to fucking Auschwitz. Yep. Oh, you're right. Oh, that's the Nazi wow. Paul Prudhomme. Like, oh, oh, yeah, you go down there to Auschwitz. Oh, mon ami, you're not going to believe what you're going to see over there. <laughs> yeah, that's, There's that. like a big old crawfish pot full of dead bodies. You're not going to even believe it. <laughs> I like how he said... There's going to be no excuse, my brother. It's he was wearing a Kangol hat and sitting in a chair backwards. And he's yeah. like, by the way, off the record, I had me a red bone back in '72. <laughs> if we pass tax reform, we have to have welfare reform. When you have a vibrant economy, there's no reason for Americans to suffer on welfare. That's right. I but mean, that's not when t- the big entitlements aren't aren't welfare. Well, that's no, a, pr- a fraction of well, the, guys like Clay, the actual en- entitlements are Social Security and Medicare. Those are actual entitlements that are the budget. Paul Ryan says as much in this article, and he says that that's why they're cutting them. So regardless of how booming the economy is going to be, even though it's pretty much proven that if you don't have more demand, you can give rich people all the money in the world. They're not going to put it into their business because what's the point? There isn't any more demand for to make it profitable. I mean, rates, interest rates were um, effectively zero for a very long time, and businesses still wouldn't actually create right. permanent positions. Like yeah. The vast majority of jobs created during that very low interest rate period were temporary work yeah. positions. and. Nothing is going to make them hire when they don't want to hire because the ethos now is to fold the 
jobs of five people into one position who and you're constantly slashing their benefits but i mean shitheads like clay higgins think that the government expenditure like every budget is like all right two trillion goes to welfare yeah uh one trillion goes to foreign aid especially to muslims i don't yeah. think they and actually believe three, that. three, I mil- think they three million dollars talking point we see, I, mean, I think regular have people have a genuinely incorrect opinion yeah, but, on what yeah. money spent but, on. but 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 clay higgins oh, yeah. has seen a graph yeah He's been handed a graph. Yeah. He, but he also went to. He also went to a concentration camp and was like, "Look, I'm not. Oh, this is why that we can't have hip hop." I'm saying he's also disingenuous. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He has access to that information because even the if federal it worked, budget is something he's slightly aware of. Even if it worked, even if it did get you to back to some full employment, retired people still won't be able to afford fucking medicine because it's really expensive to be old and need insurance. So you're needing well Medicare regardless. Same thing with Social Security. You're not people aren't saving the money even if they have a job because wages are flat, so they're still going to need fucking retirement money. Those things don't change regardless of how much employment you have. And that's the actual entitlements they want to cut. I am going to be so pissed if we have to hire my grandmother <laughs> once they get rid of Social Security. That bitch is useless. <laughs> Talk about weird lunch orders. <laughs> and just to follow up on, again, cutting uh, welfare, Social Security, and health care, uh, not connected to this tax bill, but another big pitch for, uh, from the Trump Department of Labor that I saw this week is that they're going to now make a shift in the rules governing tipped employees so that uh, small business owners may now pool tips and distribute them as they see fit. And as long as the person working for them is technically making the federal minimum wage, they don't have to give them the tips that they made working as a waiter. So standing up for the little guy once again. Oh, hold on. My friend Andy Ancap is here. Oh, uh, great. It's been so long. Uh, that sounds exactly like socialism. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye, Andy. Did you guys ever see that episode of Kitchen Nightmares with the they had the restaurant in uh, Scottsdale? Yes, uh, Amy's Baking Company. Amy's ba- yeah, Amy and Sammy. And Sammy yes. would t- take the girls' tips. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and Gordon Ramsay yelled at him. And he's like, what? What? They do nothing. I do everything. And Sammy's like, I'm the gangster, not you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that was an amazing episode yeah. of television. Have you guys ever just, seen the best episode of Kitchen Nightmares? It's the one in Long Island where it's just like this guy who looks like Peters? dog. I forget no. what it's. It's this guy who looks like Dog the Bounty Hunter. <laughs> And, like, Gordon comes in, like, and orders the food, and it's obviously all fucked up. And he's like, this is bloody mental. You didn't even rotate the rotisserie chicken. It should be called stationary chicken. (laughs) And And the guy, like, the guy goes, who met Gordon Ramsay literally an hour ago, is like, I wish I never met you. <laughs> you ruined my life. But Gordon Ramsay's ploy to save the restaurant is there's a thing where he has D. Schneider drive through it in a motorcycle. And the guy, Dog the Bounty Hunter Jr.'s fake wife is like, um, oh, my God, I'm going to remember this day forever. <laughs> D. Schneider. <laughs> and it was, yeah, I mean. Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares in certain American episodes are Dickensian more than the British version ever could be. And everyone who was on that show who owned a restaurant voted for Trump. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And, you know, it seems on the surface to be just comical cruelty, just like, you know, just putting a a fucking cigar out into the eyeball of a a fucking hobo, just a pure rich sadism to just say, yeah, we're taking it. But like that, it's actually good to do. But uh, I, I think this is another case of just 
like the inf- incredible influence of the very specific interests of very rich people because how many big time restaurateurs in the last couple of years have gotten in trouble for stealing their employees' tips? Mario Batali had that happen. Mm-hmm. Danny Meyer just got hit for that. I, these guys are the guys well, guys like Trump hang out because with. You look at all this. You say they all voted for Trump, and it's not it's not a coincidence that all of their restaurants are horrible and failing because they need someone to blame for their restaurant being horrible and failing. And it has nothing to do with the fact that they poured a can of baked beans into a bowl and chopped up little bits of hot dog and microwaved it. It's it's the dang Democrats. It's the dang minimum wage. Yeah, no, I mean, Trump's base is people who own small businesses and do too much cocaine and scream at their employees. Like, that's the forgotten man. <laughs> God, I just, I, I just can't wait to, to pedally rule over my, my shitty... A carp detailing business with a fucking gun in my in my desk and just nude nude calendars on every surface of every wall and just talk about Obama being Muslim in like 2025. Stop detailing cars entirely to just you know vlog. I don't let, don't let any customers in. I just wait for people to wander by so I can complain about my tax rate. Okay, so you know how like on Dr. Bronner's soap, like there's the greatest manifesto ever written. Yeah, because and he's wonderful and an angel and we love him. Perfect man. But like, yeah, back then, because you couldn't have a website in order to write TimeCube, you would have to invent a product. <laughs> but now, um, because we've invented everything and everything's perfect, you no longer do that. If your family won't talk to you anymore because of your politics and personality, you just have to start a small business. So you have a group of people who have to listen to you talk about Acorn in 2017 and can't leave. Uh, Mike, I saw I saw you had a, a comment the other day about you know uh, uh, Trump voters may be the worst, but are you jealous of how happy they are? Yeah, they're like masturbating homeless ladies, you know, like they're just having a good time. Yeah, I think about my grandparents, and I'm like, "Are you guys happy with what he's doing?" And they're like, "Yeah, his father trained him well. He's tough," and it's just like that narrative must make them so happy. Yeah. Well, yeah, like because every time people are mad, it's like another little victory. Like, yes, yeah, you have been owned. Also, I mean, my uncle's a, a private detective. He's got a, a small business, and his business card says. Retired New Jersey State Troopers, but only his wife was. So he pretends to be. Sorry. Oh my God, he's not, stealing Valor. Yeah, he's stealing Valor. I hate to be a rat here. <laughs> Stop snitching. Yeah, yeah. I am yeah. snitching you, on my they, own if uncle. They hear but about this, your Christmas is going to be hell. Yeah. It's going to be bad. You, yeah, I he's was pretending at, to be a state trooper. I was at the friggin' uh, Olive Garden. I was going to get off off an appetizer, and somebody <laughs> read your friggin' tweet. Mike, the have only- you ever been to Olive Garden? Yeah, a couple times. Okay. Yeah. Is it yeah. like going Look. to a minstrel show for you? <laughs> <laughs> Look, here's the thing. It's fine. I don't know. I remember being like eight or nine years old and being like, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah. no, I can't. I mean, I my thing is that it, like man. every type of food has its like shitty fast food equivalent. And like, I just, if you just go to Taco Bell and accept that it's not Mexican food, you're like, this is fine. See, no, but yeah. the, the problem is, is that is that the fucking stuff at Olive Garden, it's so big and it's so fucking heavy. It's not that kind of, you know, pop in the mouth fast food Hometown classic. And that's why for me, the real, the real fast food, the literal real. That makes you go into like a real Italian bistro and actually pick up raviolis and eat them like finger I would do that. If I can't 
pick my food off of a vine and have an old man stomp on it. <laughs> no, but the real fast food equivalent for Italian food, and I don't know, this is the one I guarantee you, you probably have not been Fazoli. Fazoli. Oh, bitch, I know about Fazoli. Fazoli. But that's even more disgusting. Is that in the Midwest? Yes, it's a yeah. Midwestern even chain. It's dis- disgusting. And, I mean, like, okay. I, I could eat Olive Garden if I'm, like, hungover. I, I, I oh, God, I Fazoli's. I wish I could go to a Fazoli's right now. Going I would walk past it's the like best McDonald's, restaurant in the world. McDonald's. Yeah, it's so good. Okay. You get, no, like, what are the it's not good. You get like ravioli, and it's just these four flat ravioli on fucking plastic with these marinara discs. sauce on top, like sweet marinara sauce. It's awful. It's it, yeah, it's so sweet. It's like the marinara sauce you get for uh, like mozzarella sticks dipping sauce. Yeah, it's Half so fun. Ohio this week, so I gotta I gotta try yeah. it. Every time uh, I'm driving anywhere in the Midwest and I see a sign, I'm like, how the fuck are you still? You're, it's like you're the culinary equivalent of Radio Shack. Mm. How are you still open uh, now? Yeah. Megan McArdle, if you're out there, there's an <laughs> article waiting to be written about this phenomenon. So there's the upscale version of that place uh, is Mangiano's and it's yes. nominally yeah. like a family eatery. What about Marciano's? You been to one of those? I might have been to one in Boston like recently, but I don't know. It's like um, I think they're they're uh, just an Olive Garden that got a little big for their britches. Exactly, okay. and they've literally never been used for anything but bar mitzvahs. Yeah, they actually they it. built a Mangiano's in the White House for all of Jared Kushner's meetings. <laughs> they have the red and white tablecloths. Yeah, yeah, I think I have been. Yeah, what Do about you guys remember uh, Champion Bank by any chance? Mm-mm. This is probably going to get edited out, but there was like a local bank and there was a guy, he'd be like, he would go, when your bank says no, champion says yes. <laughs> and my dad was like, shady? yeah, my dad was like mimicking the guy. We were at the, me and my family were at the Olive Garden of all places. And uh, he's like making fun of the guy. And my grandma's laughing and she's like, oh, he's a fag. He's a fag. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, you can edit that out. No, that's okay. I'm this just to say RIP, baby. <laughs> <laughs> don't edit it out because it makes a, a perfect segue into this uh, next item here. This is a, this is a, a, a long callback. This is one of our original yeah. and still best uh, jokes, or not jokes, but just stories. Discoveries. Discoveries, just running mythologies on the show. All the way, way, way back in episode three. Yep. You know, I think we really made a name for ourselves with the reading of Ross Douthat's um, Atlantic article about being uh, an intern at the National Review and going sailing with William F. Buckley. Yep. Yeah. The climax of that story... We're now, now, way now, ducky! <laughs> the climax of that story, of course, is when Ross and the other young man uh, who was shepherded onto this boat uh, were like, you know, Bill Buckley is just like, I always take a dip in the evenings! And then, like, young Ross is like, oh, dear, Mr. Buckley, I just... I, but I didn't bring a bathing suit. And he goes, it's not required at all, my dear boy. <laughs> and I mean, silly me, silly, naive me. I thought that was funny. And I thought it was maybe Buckley showing off or, you know, maybe using a, an opportunity to get, you know, a, an opportunistic look at some ass, some young ass that he suppressed wanting for his whole life. But I never thought that it was some sort of modus operandi of a predator. Well, here mm. we go. Time magazine. Uh, He's like, why be- don't you come over here and I'll smash in the goddamn ang- anus. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, where we're going, we don't need condoms. <laughs> uh, no, courtesy of Time magazine's new uh, big uh, blowjob to uh, Senator Jeff Flake, the Republican who's like uh, resigning, or he's not running for re-election. He's not running for re-election. He's like, Mr. Trump, how dare you, sir? Comes this gem. Who, by the way, voted for the awful fucking tax Yeah, of bill. course. 
comes courtesy of uh, this. We have this gem now from this profile of Senator Jeff Flake. In the late 1990s, Buck, Buckley took him on an overnight sailing trip across the Long Island Sound when he was indeed uh, working as a what he says, uh, working at a conservative think tank and uh, with the National Review. And it says here, through his work at the think tank, Flake found himself on Buckley's radar. At the end of the trip, Flake recalls, Buckley insisted that they go skinny dipping. He says, insisted that they go skinny dipping. Mm. Jeff Flake says, I left that out of my book because I figure no one wants to picture William F. Buckley naked. That's where you're wrong, Jeff. (laughs) Dead wrong. And then it says, Flake, uh, when he first ran for the House of Representatives in 2000, Buckley, who rarely gave to campaigns, sent him a $250 check. That that wasn't for your campaign, Jeff. Yeah, that was his hourly rate. (laughs) (laughs) I'm donating $250 to your campaign. I left it on the dresser. (laughs) Jeff, outcall Flake. (laughs) Item number one, Jeff Flake is a complete fraud. And anyone lauding him for saying, only just saying, how dare you, sir, to Mr. Trump. Yeah. Um, is a mark and a fool. Well, he Trump. gave $100 to Doug Jones, which is, you know, when someone's running against a theocratic pedophile, the most moral thing you can do is give them enough money to buy three pairs of Kirkland jeans and some hot dogs at Costco. <laughs> Treat yourself, Doug. You're not a pedophile. I love you. Good luck. <laughs> By the way, Ben's ass got mad at him for that. Yes, Ben ass. Who's yes. another guy who was supposed to be the guy, the, the conscience of I, the honestly, party. Honestly, I, I got Ben ass and Jeff Fuck confused all the time. They're the, the same time. guy. Because yeah. they look very similar to one another. They both have like they're both grinning with these like baseball card sized teeth the entire time, yeah. surrounded by their like equally grinning uh, moron families, like tossing around a football and wearing you know college sporting gear of their local team or whatever. They uh, they were they were part of the Lieben's boring program. <laughs> the uh, riff the, of the day. <laughs> the joy long division. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but uh, and then no, item two is just now. This is now confirmed. First in the Atlantic by Ross Douthat, and then now again in this profile in Time Magazine. William F. Buckley has a pattern. Yeah, he has a formula. He has a system for getting. I, I'm sorry. It's amazing to me that you didn't immediately assume that. That is the most male thing. It was so male. We assumed it. We assumed it. Oh, we assumed it. But now we have confirmation. I mean, mean, when I was jacking Matt just said he didn't No, I didn't. I'll admit it. I was too male. I didn't realize I was immediately like, oh, that's the thing he does. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was... Like jacking off, imagining him doing <laughs> several, like, several I never Trump senators, that. and I was like, "Wouldn't this be cool if he did this?" And now, I we told you guys, good things still happen in this world. I'm going to go to the bathroom for 15 minutes. <laughs> so now, with the important part, we have now confirmation of what we have always long suspected. And then more people are going to come forward, too, I hope. If you're out there and you have a similar story about Bill Buckley getting you on a Zeppelin sailboat, uh, sort of old time. Personal re- submarine. <laughs> um, one, of those, one of those real cars where you pump it up and down. <laughs> Bill, Bill, Bill Buckley bottomed out on the Spruce Goose. <laughs> getting, getting, top, getting top from Alan Dulles on the Spruce Goose. Very blessed. Can't believe I made it to this moment. I love you, Mama. Yeah. Anyone listening, if William F. Buckley ever brushed his ball sack against your ear while flying by on a hover cl- grinder, <laughs> let us know. 
Yeah. William F. Buckley went into H.G. Wells' The Time Machine <laughs> and <laughs> made out with Kevin D. Williams. <laughs> William F. Buckley rode one of those Da Vinci helicopters with an open bathrobe. <laughs> <laughs> William, William, William F. Buckley made one of those hang gliders with enough space in the little sleeping bag pouch for two people. <laughs> We have to be naked, you see. It can only bear so much weight. <laughs> oh, whatever you say, William. I'm just a college sophomore. I'm just, yeah, exactly. I'm from the Young Americans for Liberty. <laughs> Char- Charlie Kirk, you can speak out. <laughs> this is safe. You can come forward, Charlie. I yeah. think they like it. Like they, because yeah. they all talk about it later. They, like, they, oh, they, I remember getting naked with the, the old guy who threatened to beat up the guy for being gay. Like, I'll talk about it. My youth. Yeah. Uh, um, One last detail from the uh, the the Jeff Flake profile. Uh, His son is uh, is is he he, not a large son. He has a handsome son, but his name is uh, Dallin. (laughs) Oh fuck! Ah! That's that's spelled D A L L I N. Dallin. Dallin Flake. Dallin. Get the fuck out of here with Dallin Flake. Dallin Flake. And in the article, there's a there's a very great there's a great photograph of that's like a Mormon ass name. Well, Jeff Flake is Mormon. So yeah, that's yeah. like that's no, like a, I mean that's uh, that's uh, like a name that a Chinese person would come up with to make fun of American names. Yeah, that's in the credits of like a, a video game where they <laughs> yeah, that's just extremely Mormon. What they do to names is like what Olive Garden does to Italian food. Makes it delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Makes they it make family. it only acceptable the, the, the when Book you're of Mormon is, the, is is to uh, the New Testament what Olive Garden is to Italian food. Sorry, Mormon, sorry, it's only true. The Book of Mormon is literally just like the Quran written with a hung hangover. Moving along, I now want to get to I'm not really a reading series because I'm not making the fun, again not making fun of the person who wrote it, but definitely making fun of the people profiled in it. There's an amazing article in the Times this week. About, um, are you guys familiar with the Esalen Institute? Have you ever heard of this? No. No. Okay. Also the, sounds like a Mormon name. Yeah. The Esalen Institute is this, like, basically extremely upscale, like, hippie commune in Big Sur, California, that's like a sort of hotel slash vacation spot for sort of rich hippies. Okay? Yeah, insidious. Deeply insidious. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's like beautiful right on the Pacific coast in Big Sur. It's like this like, you know, you know, exquisite getaway for um, a certain kind of person. And there is an article in the Times about the Esalen Institute and how everyone from Silicon Valley is going there to basically... Get their blood replaced? Center themselves. No. To just like get their spirit replaced. Okay, but there's also <laughs> something we, we can all agree. They're, yeah. they're eating children. 50 feet, 50 feet below the rock that's the blood chamber yeah <laughs> so i just want to start uh, reading from this here they, they, it says where silicon valley is going to get in touch with its soul okay oh that's <laughs> an optimistic so assumption. it says uh silicon valley facing a crisis of the soul has found a retreat center it has been a hard year for the tech industry. Prominent figures like Sean Parker and Justin Rosenstein, horrified by what technology has become, have begun to publicly denounce companies like Facebook that made them rich. And so Silicon Valley has come to the Esalen Institute, a storied hippied hotel here on the Pacific coast of Carmel, California, 
After storm damage in the spring and a skeleton crew in the summer, the Institute was fully reopened in October with a new director and a new mission. It will become home for technologists to reckon with what they have built. Moving on here, it says, Esalen's last year has been apocalyptic. Three landslides in the spring took out roads on all sides, and participants in a massage workshop had to be evacuated from a hilltop by helicopter. When the Institute was closed... You know when you get an accidental happy ending. <laughs> it was losing $1 million a month. Its board made big changes. When the road reopened in October, the place had a new executive director, Ben Tauber, and its new mission. There's a dawning consciousness emerging in Silicon Valley as people recognize that their conventional success isn't necessarily making the world a better place, said Mr. Tauber, 34, a former Google product manager and startup executive coach. The CEOs inside, they're hurting. They can't sleep at night. (laughs) Are you okay? (laughs) You know you should make the world a better place? Go into your garage and tell your Google home to start your car. (laughs) Oh, that's that's why they have a Tesla. <laughs> yeah, they don't kill themselves. <laughs> Put the Tesla in your bathtub yeah. and end your fucking life. Alexa, turn on yeah, Alexa, turn on the warm water. Alexa, Alexa, play some song by Elliot Smith. <laughs> so it says, um, Mr. Tauber has some competition. A former chief executive of Juniper Networks, Scott Creens, opened his own tech and soul center nearby in May with construction finishing in February. The goal of that center called, I'm, this, I'm not making this up, 1440 Multiversity <laughs> is to recognize is- that the blazing success of the internet catalyzed powerful connections yet did not help people connect to themselves. <laughs> I just thought that, like, when Aeon Flux was real, people would be more attractive. <laughs> Still, there is likely enough crisis to go around. Mr. Tauber has stacked Esalen's calendar with sessions by Silicon Valley leaders, which are selling out. The new sessions in 2018 are aimed at the workers building virtual reality, artificial intelligence, and social networks. You can just park your Tesla right on somebody's farm, and there's a charging <laughs> station right there. <laughs> They wonder if they're doing the right thing for humanity, Mr. Tauber said. These are questions we can only answer behind closed doors. <laughs> we can only uh, decide if we're good from humanity without any input from humanity. <laughs> yeah. I just need to be able to lie back and put on a stem cell face mask and talk with my fellow fucking ghouls about maybe we shouldn't uh, draw enough power to fucking mine Bitcoin that the entire Earth is going to melt in 15 months. But like, this is just like Bohemian Grove for people who started out thinking they were doing good, whereas like Bohemian Grove is just like, gentlemen, to evil. Yeah, I love it so much better. Bohemian Grove is so much fucking better. You set fire to the owl, you card in a bunch of hookers, you just, you're getting drunk and pissing on trees next to former presidents. These fucking people are wearing jumpsuits and drinking fucking smoothies. Here we go. And they're nerds. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're nerds. Yeah, it's like you can't summon Moloch with a roller backpack. <laughs> but I love these people who are, you know, billionaire tech entrepreneurs and venture capitalists are just like, I look at the world today and I just can't help but feel in some small way responsible. <laughs> I, also, I also love that these people can do literally whatever they want, but they just want to, like, live the rest of their lives like they're still in a magnet school. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That is the most fucked up thing when I was reading this is that these people have all this wealth and like they're, they're like phenomenally wealthy that they can like have two weeks to themselves at like probably like 
I would say like Carmel Breaks are probably the most beautiful part of America. Yeah, too. they could like they could do all kinds just like of things. Go on a yeah. vacation. They're where Carmela you Soprano. <laughs> <laughs> go on a vacation where you don't have to fucking consider your soul. Where you just like I don't know, go jet skiing or fucking. They don't you know, understand leisure. Eat shrimp every day. It, it's, it's wasted like they're, on the exactly. Rich. Mm-hmm. It, like, it's terrible. I miss and Felix and I have discussed this. I miss when the bourgeoisie really just tore it up. Because that's something that you can identify with. You're like, yeah, I want to eat 700 oysters and then just like have a hooker burp me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, like, every, yeah, but every, the danger of that is that that's how you get the thing like you get the relatable billionaire and then you have fucking Trump as president right. because he does it right. But if people, I was rich, people, I'd act like that. I'd have gold plated everything. Already, I'd fuck my daughter. People, <laughs> people already do that with Elon Musk and all Elon Musk is like. I'm a psychology introvert, Rick and Morty much, and people are like, oh my god, I love you, you're so cool, <laughs> and it's like, it, in when you read, like, Profile, like, if you ever read any of those, like, Ron Chernow books about, like, old school Robert House Barons, of Morgan, yeah, yeah. Like, it was always, like, every guy, except for J.P. Morgan, the Northern Baptist freak, was like, uh, he was a man of tremendous appetites. He would typically eat three entire roast chickens and retire to his chamber with three women and then suck 30 oysters raw. And, and you guys, we should go to the J.P. Morgan house. Have you ever been? No, no, never. I've been to the Morgan. It's very nice. There, there are more examples that I'm going to get in here. But like when I was reading this, I just couldn't escape the idea that like these people, like you said, Amber, like they can't just go to a vacation in beautiful Big Sur, California and just like fuck around and like do drugs or just fucking like go swimming or sit in a natural hot spring. They have to fucking imagine that they're like bettering themselves and the world and finding their soul or something like that. And it's just like you don't have one. You wouldn't be working at Google if you did. Yeah, and they So don't worry about it. Even if there wasn't like a like a spiritual component to this, they would still have like an activities director. Yeah. They want to be at summer camp. They're fucking nerds. (laughs) I want to do one more here. It says uh, the bar serves kombucha coconut water, wine, and beer. Sitting and having a cold kombucha one recent evening was Bodai Kalajayan, Kalajane, 47, who lives in Big Sur, wears flip-flops and has shaggy gray blonde hair. It's about putting Silicon Valley back in their bodies, he said. Everyone's got a soul. It's about finding it. Gopi Khalil, the chief evangelist of brand marketing at Google, was running late from work to the class he would host at Esalen called Connect to Your Internet. <laughs> Get it? Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> Watch out, Mike. They're coming for your job. <laughs> Imagine showing this article to like a nurse or a truck driver or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. They're like, no, you got to be whole before you go out in the world. And, you know? <laughs> This is going to be season uh, seven of The Wire. It was going to be all the guys left on the drug commission going like, what change are we affecting? In the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would like to take this class about, about like, what is it, jamming it's, an Ethernet cable in your dickhole? What is it about? The, the internet. Yeah, that's what I mean. The internet. Yeah, that's it. The internet schedule is loosely packed. The next morning, there would be mindful walking, mindful (laughs) eating, reimagining work and Mm. life integration, then compassion practice, self-compassion, and finally, yoga. After dinner, there would be work on envisioning lives as they are and as they want them to be. Then, uh, Mr. Uh, Khalil Khalil. would lead some chanting. One one of the portals we use to put the technology for the body at peak performance is music, he said. Mm. Sierra will play the flute, Jenny the violin. 
Sierra, like Futures X. <laughs> God, they the just... compassion project is like when you go to Whole Foods, make eye contact with the single mother who's uh, ringing up your. No, make eye contact with the avocado you're about to buy. <laughs> right. Fuck that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Listen to this. Uh, ask, every... ask your ask your blood boy how school is going. <laughs> <laughs> every morning is dance awake, a chakra meditation in guitar class where Esalen guests dance across a large hardwood floor. I just yeah, people sold- are definitely getting sexually abused in this. Every time, <laughs> yeah. no, like they've done like uh, true quite a few. <laughs> they've done quite a few books on the kind of uh, plastic guru phenomenon of like the sixties and seventies, like when people became really obsessed. <laughs> or, or, with no, yeah, no, in commune living as well was a nightmare of yeah. abuse too. And and any time you hear this language of like you know whatever togetherness morning, someone is getting raped. <laughs> mm. Listen here. Uh, I just sold my startup and need a place to reflect, said Sam McBride, age 31 from well, Chicago. Well, you're going to get raped. That's what's going to happen. No, but that's that's the thing is is it's it is it harkens to the 60s because these people have inherited the 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 ethos of the 60s, which is personal virtue. Not, the politics has nothing to do with, with con- collective anything. It is a personal search for personal virtue by acting and, and doing well in the world to the degree that reflects well on you as a person. And so you can now be a fucking corporate rating piece of shit who builds apps that subvert people's privacy and hyper-exploit labor and fucking undercut regulation and just do massive transfers of wealth. But it's okay as long as you think you're a good person because you jam some fucking kumquats up your ass and, uh, yeah, you Fucking, here's here's you another know, testimonial. Here's okay. another testimonial from uh, uh, Marina Kurakina. She says, "I was tired of my life. I represented Latin American art at a gallery in London. Now I teach creative subconscious painting." Oh yeah, yeah. It's been such a change for me. I used to be the I art. Had a fake I used bullshit to be the, job, and now I have a faker bullshitter yeah. job. I used to be the uh, main art buyer for uh, Venezuelan democracy activist Mengele de Hitler. Let's uh, <laughs> not knock now. fake bullshit jobs. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we know exactly what we do. We keep people comfortable while they're on their commute. Uh, Mr. Tauber, who we mentioned is the new director of Esalen, uh, had previously founded. A real-time celebrity geo-stalking service called Just Spotted when Google <laughs> hired him in 2011. Wait, real-time as in it only stalks celebrities who went on real-time to <laughs> Bar? <laughs> because I would like to subscribe. Uh, l- let me open up this app. This is exactly like the subplot in Silicon Valley where they accidentally made something that facilitated pedophiles and it just never occurred to them. Um, hold, okay, I got um, Donald Trump uh, turned down an invitation to the Silicon Valley Mindfulness Seminar this week because he realized it would require a mind. By the way, if you want to read something actually good on this and not just hate read until your mind turns to mush, there's this amazing new Evgeny Morozov article in The Guardian. Oh, he's good. Yeah. Uh, the digital hippies want to integrate life and work, but not in a good way. Data firms such as the rapidly expanding WeWork hope to blur the line between home and office. That won't be any help to staff. And then he talks about how WeWork is trying to destroy everything human about us. It's great. Uh, did I, I actually that that 
app they were talking about, the celebrity stocking app? Yeah. I think I actually saw a commercial for that. It had the lady who shot Selena, and she said, <laughs> if I had had these before, my life would have been so much easier. Oh, uh, hold on. I got another. Um, Donald Trump today uh, went to Silicon Valley. When told about angel investors, he said, how do they get into the conference room with their wings? Start the clock. Real yeah. time. Bill. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. This is my one last, one last hate paragraph from the Esalen Institute, and it's a doozy. It says, upstairs, the internet class was doing a compassion exercise. That's the worst sentence I've ever heard in my life, including Every- your father is dead. <laughs> they just mean space docking. Everyone spent 10 minutes looking into a stranger's eyes and silently repeating phrases like, this person has emotions just like me. This person has experienced pain and suffering just like me. This person will die just like me. They were barefoot. Some were wrapped in coarse blankets. So you're telling me that a bunch of Silicon Valley people had to have a class to teach them other people are real. Yeah. I'm shocked. <laughs> I, love, I love spending like five years of my life starting at age 26 just putting the lowest level of service workers out of business in the Bay Area and then being like, I didn't know what I was doing and then putting on like a special steel wool blanket and holding another fucking robot's hand and going... It's okay that you called a girl thug during sex. <laughs> it's okay that you Google Jessica Rabbit sexy. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay that you sing along that word when you rap. We all do it. We're all going to die. We're all living. We're all breathing. I love you. We're here Matt, right Matt. now. We're all eating. We're all eating this. We're all drinking the special mindfulness juice. It's just a juicy juice with some uh, seaweed sprinkled into it. I love you. We're here Matt. right now. We're never going to die, actually. Matt, remind me, who is the protagonist of Vonnegut's Breakfast of Champions? Dwayne? The Rock Johnson. No. Uh, Dwayne Hoover. Dwayne Hoover. Yes. The compassion exercises are designed for Dwayne Hoover. Yeah. Everyone he, he else isn't a robot. Everyone is a robot yeah. but him. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, we'll be we'll be doing a we'll be teaching a two week seminar at the Esalen Institute early next year on yep. uh, podcasting, you know, self casting. It's yeah. called and mind. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna your, make you wear a a. a Full body uh, hair shirt, and then we're just gonna wedge you with it. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. You know, if you spent a good portion of your life just humiliating people for fake money for a company that never made a profit, and you're a billionaire for some reason, I will go up to you and I will go. Instead of subscribing, how about domscribing to your life feed for the <laughs> podcast? Yeah, for a mere five million dollars, I promise to. Put you in a suit of armor and kick you down a very long flight of stairs. <laughs> I, have, I uh, you, uh, before that, I have one last item, and this is a this is a special treat for Amber. This is for you. Oh great! I got this for you specifically, I and by got it for you, this. I mean literally. I have purchased this, and it will oh. be in our office. Oh no! <laughs> From racheldolezal.com. <gasps> yes. I we we are now the proud owners, or will be soon, of the 2018 Rachel Dolezal inspirational wall calendar which features every month is a new inspirational quote and incredibly sexy photo of Rachel herself I saw this and honest to god I was going to buy it for myself <laughs> I'm not kidding I oh, totally damn. was shorty a dime 
I shorty I love a dime. Her. I think everyone who is anti Dolezal is reactionary. I think America has lost its, uh, I don't know, tender Creative affection spirit. for people that are completely insane, but in like well, a harmless I mean, way. But that, but that's really true because, like, think about the Emperor Norton. If the Emperor Norton lived now, he would have been shot by the San Francisco Police Department like a week into his residency. You know, instead of being I, given look, as a joke, like she is a person that wanted to be someone else so badly that she believed her own myth. And she pissed off everyone who is awful in the process. What could be more American or endearing than that? Well, some, some of these inspirational quotes along with sexy photos. Include, oh, I love um, her. Uh, living in full color means stepping outside of the boxes prescribed <laughs> by society and following the nature of your soul. Yes. God, and she fucking Stay rocks. woke and ready to change the world. You never know when an important Queen. opportunity will arise. Queen. Like, you cannot punish someone for finding a haircut that works for them. <laughs> Queen. Also for sale at the Rachel Dolezal, racheldolezal.com are uh, her own line of lollipops yes, that she makes. That. She makes lollipops. There's also something See, called... See, actually, they... Um, they, she says they're dark chocolate, but they're white chocolate that she dies. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem like all the anti dolazol people are pretty like unlikable. You know, it's all yeah. like this That's clap right. emoji is clap emoji, <laughs> not clap emoji. Okay, I'm half white. Yeah. Well, yeah. and um, I had a friend who actually recently wrote um, a piece about uh, the the '90s militia movement in. Um, her hometown of, of Boise, Idaho during the 90s and she did a bunch of research and she went back and she read a lot of the stuff and who did she find? Rachel fucking Dolezal fighting the racists in Boise, Idaho. She, she, she's real. She's as real as we need her to be. History, I have always been pro Dolezal and history will show me as having been in the right. I'll go further than that. We've as, seen, as, you're seen, le- as you're led to the gallows, yeah. give me yeah. Dolezal or give me death. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go further than that. Dolezal is it? That's not her name. Dolezal is a title, like Dalai Lama. There have been Dolezal yeah, throughout. Who will be the next Dolezal? Yeah. Uh, Vladimir Lenin, Dolezal. Uh, Napoleon, Dolezal. Dolezal throughout history. Yeah. Joan of Arc, Dolezal. Dolezal. Jesus Christ, Dolezal. Absolutely. Uh, the guy who shot Archduke Franz Ferdinand. Dolezal. <laughs> Um, uh, before we go uh, Amber I know you want to uh, plug something Hey if you're in the New York area I will be hosting a series of labor panels That are going to get us through this terrible Terrible winter uh, Brought to you by Verso Books and Jacobin Magazine The first installment of Labor Now Our three part monthly winter panel series Where moderator me will be bringing together Trade unionists, labor journalists And labor historians to talk about worker power uh, The first one is Building Labor Under Trump Since the decline of American unions over the past 40 years, the broad left has been doing little more than sputtering on the mat. Class politics have been all but supplanted by neoliberal ideology, and the left wing of capital known as the Democratic Party has never been so committed to defending free markets, relying on vague liberal platitudes for their progressive bona fides. It's never been more clear that unions are the true political apparatus of workers and the essential players in any socialist project. But in an increasingly anti-union country, how can unions build and grow? So this next one, it's going to be December 11th at Verso Books. It's going to be, it's hosted by Verso and Jacobin. There's going to be a lot of cool people there. Um, the speakers are Byra V. Desai, founding member of the New York Taxi Workers Alliance. Micah Utrecht, uh, author of Strike for America, Chicago Teachers Against Austerity. It's also associate editor at Jacobin, contributing editor in these, in these times. 
uh, Julian Gonzalez, who is a labor lawyer. He's worked for Teamsters for a Democratic Union, Unite Here, and Make the Road New York. And Samantha Winslow, co-director of Labor Notes. Um, so come on out December and learn some 11th? stuff. December 11th? December 11th. Verso Books? Yep. Come to Labor Now. 7 p.m. Check it out. The, uh, <laughs> the event is on Facebook. and uh, Oh, and there will be beer and wine for sale. There we go. Mike, do you have anything you want to plug? I got a new podcast called uh, The Sit Down. It's about organized crime. And uh, so we talk about like the mob, but anything crime related. So we had Nick Mullen on for an episode about the Hollywood pedophile. Contributing to to his nervous breakdown. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. But that's on iTunes. Doing that to all of our friends. uh, (laughs) Everybody check out The Sit Down Podcast. Um, I saw you talking about how you would like to have me and Adam on to talk about Jewish crime. Yeah, I want to do like a three-part episode of, uh, yeah, about Jewish gangsters. All right, so it starts with the Federal Reserve. (laughs) 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 All right, guys, till next time. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Cheers.